All decks, all stations. This is the captain speaking. All decks, I must have your full attention. It is vital, absolutely vital, that you center your thoughts on your duty or on the welfare of Star Trek with Erina and Paulie. Think of giving some of your strength. Now, this is an order. You must try to do this. Captain Picard's right, y'all. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly needs your help. We need you to go out to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. Let the Alpha Quadrant know how much you enjoy this podcast. And now, attempt to concentrate completely on your duty of the moment. All decks, all stations, battle stations... Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome to another exciting edition of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Ooh, exciting. Are we excited? I am excited, Paul. It's uh, because we're talking this time about an O-ball for Charon. Or Charon. I don't know how to pronounce any of these words. <laughs> I was about to say, what's an O-ball? Do you know? Yeah, did, did we I look have, it up? I, I did not look it up because that is the level of research that I perform in advance of these podcasts. So did you know what it was? No. No, but I, but I, you know what I knew what it was? It was another pretentious title for an episode of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> so an O-ball is a coin that you use to pay Charon the, um, you know, the, the, the ferryman, the ferryman. To get you across the river sticks. Correct. Yeah. I just looked that up. I mean, did you see? Uh, did you? You guys didn't even see the wizardry behind the scenes uh, to it's, make it's, that it's happen. Ma- it's magic. Magic. It's magic, which which has no place in a Star Trek podcast, Paul. Lies. Yeah. Magic is just science you don't understand. <laughs> that is right, Paul. That is right. Star Trek has taught us nothing. <laughs> so in this episode of Star Trek Discovery, we are still on the hunt for uh, for Spock, you know, who, ha- who has been accused of a crime we assume he hasn't committed and is fleeing across the feder- across the Federation. In a stolen shuttle, bad on you, Spock. I expected better. And, uh, you know, while we're in advance of the pursuit, we get to meet the Star Trek Discovery version of number one from the USS Enterprise, the first officer uh, of Captain Christopher Pike, played by one uh, Rebecca Romaine. That is What'd true. What you think, Paul? You know, it, it's funny. The... Uh, I was I was pretty excited about the introduction of Rebecca Romaine as number one, but the the sequence itself, I don't know. I was underwhelmed by it. Um, I, I I expected more, and I 
it's, I mean, that can't be all we're going to get of her, right? No, you don't cash Rebecca Romaine for basically a five minute conversation over yeah, a for a walk on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was what I was, I was like, of course we're going to get more with her because, uh, while we didn't get a tremendous amount of time with her, um, I sure did like the look of her as number one. I, yeah. I, I thought I, I was like, you know, she's a lot older than Majel Barrett was when uh, she played number one. But uh, I, I thought she looked fantastic at, yeah. in that part. And I liked the look of her uniform. I mean, I, I just I thought all of that was just perfect. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm it, it was probably just wetting our appetite. So I'm. I'm hopeful that that I'm wrong, and we will get more uh, of the character. Yeah, yeah, I dug it. So, um, you know, are, are we ready to, to to deep dive into this conversation? Let's go deep, deep, deep into Star Trek Discovery and Obal for Karan. So, I feel like um, I didn't hate the episode. I will say, you know, I, I, I haven't, I didn't think it was a bad episode per se, but. I was a little frustrated at the concept of this episode because it feels like um, this episode was just a great big tease in that uh, we're still searching for Spock, right? We're, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to, we're on our way to find Spock. Oh, but we got distracted. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to go find Spock. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, you know, spoiler warnings on, which, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not worried about spoilers. You know, so they, they set up this whole Saru's going to die thing to the point that at the end I was like, wait, like, you know, yeah, maybe. I did, too. I, I did the same thing. I was like, are they going to legit kill his character off? Yeah. I mean, he was like walking off and I'm like, maybe they will actually kill Saru. I'm like, yeah, ballsy move. But you know what? This is what will separate this Star Trek out that no yeah. one is safe. And then, like, there's this big emotional sequence. And I'm like, this sequence is, first of all, going on just a little too long. Like, right. like you've said goodbye. You've already said, I love you. You're my sister, blah, blah, blah. Like we got it. Keep going. And then like, like, I don't know, Saru's little ganglia fall off and all of a sudden everything's okay. And he's fine. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, I mean, I, I didn't want Saru to die. I love his character, but I was like, come on. Like, don't you, yeah. you had this whole setup. Like why even bother setting it up? I feel like you could have had, um, you know, a, a different way of, of getting that same message across. So let's back up a little bit. Yes. So uh, Discovery, you know, uh, Captain Pike meets up with uh, number one, played by Rebecca Romaine, uh-huh. and she's got some deets for him. You know, no, she's yeah. like, hey, man, I got, I, got, I got the skinny a little bit on what's going on with Spock. Here you go. And it's information about, you know, uh, Spock and stealing a shuttlecraft and, and, you know, he's on his way out of town. And so Pike is like, okay, saddle up. We're going to go right. We're going to ride for Spock. And so they go warping out. And while they're warping out, and this is the first thing that annoys me about the show, is they get pulled out of warp as they're rocking on by a sphere, you know, but, and it seems to be somehow sentient. And it's, you know, has has pulled the Enterprise out of warp and has, like, put it in a, a stasis field, is not letting it move or do anything. It, you know, they can't they can't go to impulse. They can't warp out. They can't, you know, uh, you know, lower their 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 shields. I mean, or they can't raise their shields. I mean, it's just everything's a, a, a fucking mess right there on the Enterprise. And part of, of what has happened is. Uh, Saru is sick earlier in the day, 
And, you know, he, he attributes it to a cold that he has. But then once he sees the sphere, he realizes that uh, this process that is, uh, you know, natural to uh, the, the Kelpians has started, that he is at the end of his life. That this is, you know, we know that um, the Kelpians are being cultivated by, you know, an alien species, you know, for food. And this is the condition that happens right before they get picked up and, you know, taken off to the slaughterhouse. So, you know, he realizes that this is it for him. He is going to die. And his – <laughs> I really was grossed out by uh, when they explained that his, uh, his uh, ganglia, his threat ganglia are engorged. <laughs> I was – Completely grossed out by that, Paul. Yeah, yeah, just a little uh, bit. There, there yeah. was a lot of there was a lot of ganglia talk in this episode. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and you don't really see a whole lot of his ganglia. I mean, even when it when it pops out, you know, to show that there's a threat, you know, you're you're like, huh, you know, it, it doesn't really look like much to us. Yeah. But man, in this episode, it was like, whoa, he is all swole. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was none no, no, nasty. So meanwhile, as Saru is, you know, on his his last legs down in the uh, spore drive bay, um, you know, the the big uh, mucus monster that they pulled out of Tilly is growing and is, you know, gelatinous and, you know, forming shapes. It almost reminds me of the thing as it's, you know, going from one shape to another from the John yeah. Carpenter movie. Right. Um, and it's it's fairly horrific. And we discover that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jet uh, Jet Reno, Jet Reno and Stamets don't get on well, as one might expect. Which I got to say for me, just to quickly interrupt, that was a highlight of the episode for me. Yeah. Uh, Their interaction. I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, they're they're at various opposite sides. Like, you know, he's all pro spore drive and she's like, hey, you know, dilithium crystals, antimatter, that won't let you down. Clearly, she's never watched an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was kind of a nice byplay. Power goes out when the uh, alien sphere plucks the, inter- the uh, discovery out of, uh, uh, out of warp. And Tilly winds up getting uh, noshed on by the uh, mucus monster again, you know, that the, the fungus from uh, the uh, mycelial network. And what winds up happening, what we discover is that, you know, she is in a cocoon, which reminded me a whole lot of Jim Starlin's, you know, Adam Warlock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's in this cocoon and, and you know, hijinks ensue. And at the end of the episode, Tilly's missing. And we assume that she's been sucked into the mycelial network because May, as we are calling this fungus, uh, has other plans for Tilly. Yes. Beyond it communicating to Stamets that, uh, you know, you are, you know, hurting the network every time you jump. And he's like, okay, we won't use it anymore. If it's hurting you guys, I should have been aware of that. We won't use the spore drive. She goes, well, that's not enough. And by the way, I've got other plans for Tilly. Um, so th- that happens. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, and what I really object to in this episode, Paul, is that whole a funny thing happened on the way to go uh, get Mr. Spock? Um, mm-hmm. That whole like you know we're 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 trucking around in warp space, 
going, you know, many earth, many times earth shatteringly faster than the speed of light. And they just get randomly plucked out of, uh, of space by this sentient planet sphere thing really bugged me. I would have felt so much better if as they were warping, something showed up on their sensors and they had to stop and take a look at it and bam, that's when they get held. But that whole like we're minding our own business, doing our thing and we get pulled out. I mean, it's just like, hey, on the way to trying to do this thing that is our overarching arc for the season, we got hit by a by a subplot. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it just really, really bugged me. And what further bugged me was that, you know, the whole thing is, oh, the reason why uh, Saru is responding the way he is, is he's the only one who can see this ultraviolet pattern that the sphere is emanating. And oh, by the way, that's its language. And Saru figures that out. And uh, but, you know, it's still causing this distress to his system. They are able to. What the sphere the sphere is at the end of its life, and it is trying to pass on its knowledge, which is why it gra- grabbed the discovery so that it could pass on its knowledge and that knowledge could survive. One of the things that super annoyed me about this episode, and I think you're, you, if, if you listen to my tone, there are a lot of things I really disliked about this episode, and one of them is how precious Sonequa Martin's Martin Green's performance is throughout the episode. Yeah. You know, it it is it is, you know, you're my family, Saru. You know, and and how just underlined her dialogue is. Uh, you know, I get it. Maybe some of this would be better unsaid. You know, maybe we could say some things with a glance or a gesture or a touch versus, you know, you're my family, Saru. And then Saru adding on, I know you've lost like everybody in your life, <laughs> you know, we get it. You know, yeah. if you have, if you're watching Star Trek Discovery, you have probably 99.9% most likely have watched all the other episodes of Star Trek Discovery. You don't need Saru to tell you why it would be so painful for her to lose Saru. I mean, I just, I feel like so much of that could have been communicated in a, Less, hey, you should really feel something here, Manor. <laughs> yeah. Well, that goes back to what I was saying about the Saru's pseudo death scene. That yeah. It was just like five minutes too long. Like, oh, yeah. Like, just say your goodbyes. Like, I love and, you, Saru. I love you too. And so, you know, part of the way Kelpians die is they have they ceremonially ceremonially have their ganglia removed mm-hmm. so that they don't have to, so they can pass. Uh, into the next life or, you know, pass into death uh, and not go mad at the same time because, you know, apparently the threat, the threat ganglia just, you know, is filling them with all sorts of, you know, uh, chemicals and whatnot. Yeah. So as she's about to cut the ganglia off because he's he, he doesn't have the strength to do it. And I mean, it's just this horrible scene like, hey, could you maim me before I die? That'd be great if you could maim me. You know, and, and, you know, to, to her credit, she really struggles with this, but he's asked her to do it. And so she's gonna, and she reaches up and just barely touches the knife to him and they fall off. And Paul, I thought I was going to throw up. Oh God, it was it so was gross. So gross. <laughs> it was wildly gross. I mean, it was gross enough to have to look at the engorged ganglia, <laughs> 
but to see it just fall off, I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah, it just like shriveled up and fell off. And I got to tell you, the filming in that sequence uh, where it, where it kind of shriveled up and fell off, I didn't know what happened at first. So on top of it being gross, I had to watch it twice because I'm like, wait, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, did she cut it off? Like, it came off super easy. Yeah. And and then they acknowledge, like, it came off super easy. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. I no, thought I, I was mean, just confused. Your shit. shit. It just fell off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next thing you see is, you know, uh, Saru is in sick bay, And, you know, he's like, you know, I've never felt better in my life. I feel powerful. I don't I'm not scared. And everyone's like, oh, this is awesome, Saru. And I'm thinking, you know, this is probably a bad thing to have in a first officer. You, yeah. know, you probably want your, your first officer to have a little bit of fear, you know, some healthy fear. And, and so I'm, I'm, I kind of half expect that we're going to see, you know, Saru acting a little bit more boldly yeah, than I we might so. care for. Um, but we did see, you know, he Saru has realized that – this medical condition that his people have known all their all their years has actually is actually a lie perpetrated on their people meaning you know that it, it really seems like this is more of a phase you know so we saw the cocoon earlier in the episode that uh tilly is in but it's almost like this is you know hit the, the kelpium pupa phase has ended and they they lose the thing that that is indicative of their youth, and now they are a different creature. You know, so a metaphorical butterfly, right? Um, I, I Saru asks the question: How can I let my people undergo? You know, continue to suffer from this lie because they just willingly go off to the slaughterhouse. Yeah, you know, whenever they're whenever they get culled, um, and so I. I really the story that I'm looking forward to out of this is Saru wrestling with I owe it to you know general order number one be damned I owe it to my people to go fix this yeah which I, I think is what this was set up for and I got to say that right. this episode was basically set up for for more setup right like yeah. like it was such, it, it was an, a, another transitional episode which felt the last one felt like it was a, a, transi- setup, yeah. a transitional episode well, and the thing that annoys me the most about this episode is, you know, they download all this information from the alien sphere, Mm -hmm. right? Before the alien sphere dies and protects discovery, you know, as in its death throes, um, discovery downloads a hundred thousand years worth of data and it'll be, you know, uh, Starfleet scientists will be reviewing this for hundreds of years, blarty blar. Um, there are no consequences in this episode. No. You know, they had to make the choice, do we continue following Spock or do we stop and, you know, get this information from the alien sphere? And again, if we stop and get this information from the alien sphere, we will lose Spock. Yeah. They make that choice to stay. But, you know, the alien sphere has longer range sensors than Discovery, so they actually didn't lose anything. They know exactly where Spock is. Let's go. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> There are literally no consequences in this episode other than the fact that Tilly is lost in the mycelial network. And, you know, they'll get her back. Yeah. Which, you know, when there's no stakes, which is, again, something that Battlestar Galactica did well. Like, characters died. Surprisingly, characters died. Well, and a hallmark of premium television these days is people die. 
You know, uh, I mean, Game of Thrones has really kind of set that bar that, you know, don't fall in love with these characters because they might not be around after the wedding, (laughs) you know, Uh, and it really did feel like Saru was going to go. Right. I'm glad he didn't because I like the character and I like Doug Jones and it we did find out something important out of that. So I'm okay that Saru didn't die, but I think there should be a consequence on we don't know where Spock is. Yeah. yeah. I felt like there should have been some kind of consequence there. Or somebody should have died, you know, in the uh the uh you know, the the being wrenched out of uh warp and all the damage to the systems. I mean, there was a minute, moment there that I thought Jet Reno was dead. You know, because of the the way the um, when they had to discharge all the yeah. you know, extra power, I mean, I was like, wow, you know, they they, they made a big deal about uh, Tig n- 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 Tig Natero coming in. What if this is the, this, them killing her right now? But no, 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 there were no consequences in this episode. Yeah, there were no stakes, and that's and, that was part of my that that I gotta say was my issue with the episode. And again, I didn't hate the episode, no, but I really I disliked either. the choices that were made. Um, again, I don't want to see Saru die, but then kill somebody else. Show me that there are yeah. stakes to this show. Well, and I don't need, I don't need the stakes to always be life and death. No. But there do have to be stakes. We have to sacrifice something. When there are choices to be made, there has to be a sacrifice. I mean, at some point, I would expect, you know, we know that Christopher Pike, uh, years after the episode of The Cage, is afflicted by Delta Rays, I believe, and is horribly disabled for the remainder of his years, right? I would expect at some point... For us to, you know, see a uh, a uh, a tease of that, not having Christopher Pike because this predates those episodes, but having Christopher Pike see someone who is who is horribly maimed in a similar fashion, and him have to comment on that and say, "Oh man, I I, I wouldn't want to live like that." You know, I, yeah. I expect this. I want this would have been a good place to have that kind of consequence, right? For for one of our bridge officers to, you know, uh, suffer that kind of damage. And I mean, we did get a new character in this episode who just seemed to appear as if from nowhere. And I was like, is this another one of those, uh, fungus people, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause we got that new character from the enterprise. Well, yeah, that was funny. And I got to say one thing and it was funny. So don't get me wrong. But the uh, the ensign, I think it was an ensign, the guy who was sick a couple weeks ago. Linus. Linus. And when Linus is in the ready room and he says, oh, I was sick a couple weeks ago. That sucked. I'm like, am I yeah. watching the Orville all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sucked because, you know, he has five different nasal passages, yeah. sinus passages. Um, they, I was amazed because we really got to hear him talk this time. Yeah. And I was like, is that Doug Jones? Because it almost sounded like Doug Jones doing a voice. Oh, I don't and, know. And I went and looked it up, and it's David Benjamin Tomlinson who plays Linus. No idea. Uh, but you know, I, I, there was a part of me that's like, I, is, is he voicing? Is this is this an opportunity for Doug Jones to do some other work on the show? Yeah. 
I again, it's not like I didn't enjoy the episode, and the fact that no character died and that things ended hopefully, well, other than the cliffhanger with uh, Tilly, is 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 indicative of Star Trek. And so I feel like maybe I'd complain if a character died, but it and I, like you said, it doesn't always have to be life or death. It right. just seemed like this episode was pointless. Yeah, because they but, mentioned this Rosetta Stone. This is the Rosetta Stone. Blah 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 blah. Okay, well, but why? You yeah. know, like it's never yeah. been mentioned. Are you setting up something for the Picard series? Like again, is this all set up for something else? You know, it, it's funny. In the last episode, or maybe it was the episode before, but previously, previously uh, on Star Trek Discovery, uh, you know, Officer Owosakun got mm-hmm. a nickname. You know, we call her Owo, yeah. right? And I kept waiting for somebody to call her Owo, and I was so disappointed that nobody did this episode. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, come on. I know Tilly's not on the bridge, but you know the the captain called her Owo once. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, yeah. I, I don't get me wrong. I, I think this was was a good episode. It wasn't a great episode. Yeah. I, I I do have a lot that I didn't like about it, and, and you know I, I I think that my enjoyment factor would be greatly increased. Had it not just be, hey, we're wandering around warp space and we got sucked out of warp space by this thing, you know, this random thing. Yeah, because and, oh, by the way, it's like, oh, by the way, it, yeah, it, it helped us, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I, there was so much red on the screen. I couldn't tell if we were seeing more red flare like we've seen on the, on the, <laughs> yeah. on the previous episode. So I don't know if that is is uh, is coincidental or not. Um it just it, that none of that felt right to me. Yeah, I hear you. You know, it's it's there again. Not a bad episode. Just some liberties were taken that I'm just not yeah. a fan of. Yeah, I agree. But hey, still enjoying Discovery. Yeah, and looking forward to next week's episode. Uh, which I don't. Did you watch the trailer for next week's episode? I did. Looks pretty hot. Yeah, so we're gonna get the. You know, we we had mentioned that. You know, is this the last we're gonna see of Tyler and the the section uh, 31 stuff, but no, no, they're going to be in next week's episode. So, and you know, I, I, Paul will, will confirm this, that I reached out to him in a frantic panic this week because I saw something about uh, star Trek discovery being canceled. Oh yeah. <laughs> Paul had, Paul had to talk me off the ledge. Yeah, no, uh, it, it, it is apparent. You know, if you read the, the, you know, there are people who are like, well, you know, star Trek discovery, is it going to be canceled? You know, it's not connecting blah, blah, blah. Well, and actually like, if you read counter articles, it's doing pretty darn well, actually. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to to more Star Trek Discovery and more Star Trek. Um, but it was inspired by Anson Mount and um, the 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 guy who's playing um, uh, Spock. You know, they they made a post oh, yeah. on they, on social media about being unemployed, and it's like, okay, well, well, yeah, like uh, you were always going to yeah. be a temporary. They were guest character. stars. Yeah, they yeah. were guest stars on the show, and yeah. I, and you know, people took that to mean is Star Trek Discovery ending? Probably not. I, I gotta tell you, I, I, I get it. You know, Anson Mount's a guest star. You know, yeah. I hate that he that uh, this is his only season. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like I, I almost want to see, like maybe they're setting up like the Adventures of the Enterprise before the cage because yeah. that 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 I'd be okay with then. Same here, same here. I, I really am enjoying Anson Mount as uh, Captain Pike. He's a breath of fresh air on the show, um, and and it, he is the reason, not Anson Mount maybe, but the writing and and Anson Mount is the reason that I know these characters' names, quite frankly. 
Um, yeah, no. I mean, he comes on to, in, on that first episode and says, okay, everybody go around the room and tell me your names, which never occurred in season one. No. We were like, you know, the lady with the apparatus on her face. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really no, enjoying I, I, that. I completely dug it. Completely yeah. dug it. So, all right, guys. Well, um, we here at Star Trek with Aaron and Polly need your help. We need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It helps us in the selection criteria. So please, please, please uh, go out there and, and say nice things about us on those uh, different podcast platforms. And then uh, you know share the show in, so, in your social media, be that Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, maybe on your MySpace page. <laughs> especially on your myspace page um yeah you know absolutely share the link you know and leave us some feedback hit us up at iom geek on instagram ideology madness on twitter iom geek on facebook or you can leave us a voicemail and we'll feature your voicemail on a future episode of the show and that phone number is 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We will be back next week talking about the next episode of Star Trek Discovery, as well as any new Star Trek news that pops up within the time. Woot! <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> did you just woot? I did. Woot! <laughs> Doesn't seem very Star Trek-y. Just imagine Spock saying, Woot! Or Linus. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.